Welcome to Strong Meat for Strong Believers. I'm Pastor Doug Johnson. I want to invite you to join me as we look at the issues facing us today and what God's Word says about them. Hebrews 5, 13 and 14 says, Milk is for babies, but strong meat is for grown-ups who can discern the difference between good and evil. At the end of the broadcast, I'll tell you how you can get a copy of this message for yourself. And now, grab your Bible and get ready for another helping of Strong Meat for Strong Believers. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. Now this is the Apostle Paul writing this letter to the Galatian believers. And he tells them in verse 6, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel to you than that you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. I want you to notice the word that Paul uses in verse 6. He said, I marvel how soon you are removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Paul said, I am surprised. I am marveling at how quickly the Galatians departed from the truth of the gospel that had been preached to them. You know, the true gospel is good news. It is good news of divine grace and mercy in Jesus Christ. It gives us the greatest blessings and benefits. We are justified before God. A great way to remember the definition of justified is just as if I'd never sinned justified. Through Jesus Christ, we can stand before God just as if I'd never sinned. Hallelujah. Another benefit we get is reconciliation with God. The relationship that mankind once had with God has now been restored because of Jesus. You can have a personal relationship with God every day. On top of that, we've been given eternal life and joy, unspeakable and full of glory, mercies that are new every morning, salvation full and free, hallelujah. Who would want to turn their back on that? No wonder Paul was surprised. He said, I marvel at how fast you went from that to believing a different Gospel, And he says it's not really a different one. It's the same old lie that Satan has been telling all this time. And we'll get to that in just a moment as far as what the message was that they were listening to. But there are those who try to establish another way to heaven. And, and when they do that, they, they, uh, they, uh, Paul says they pervert, verse 7, he said they pervert the gospel of Christ. And that's exactly what people are doing when they try to present a different way to heaven. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
Notice he said, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If you add anything onto the blood of Jesus for salvation, you are perverting the gospel. If you say a person has to be baptized in water to be saved, you are perverting the gospel. If you say a person has to speak in tongues in order to go to heaven, you are perverting the gospel. If you say that they have to become a member in a certain church in order to go to heaven, you are perverting the gospel. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that saves us. It's all you need, and it is all-inclusive. Hallelujah. One price pays it all. Anybody glad you're saved today? Give Jesus a hand. But perhaps one of the reasons why people are easily led astray is because their own relationships are so messed up and they try to treat God like they treat the people that they are close to. Some of the things that we see in people's relationships today that are damaging not only their relationships but even their family and even and it does affect their relationship with God. We see things like codependency. We see things like enabling bad behaviors or rescuing from consequences or having an attitude of entitlement. We see these things happening, and my friends, we need God to help us have healthy relationships before we end up alone and bitter and thinking everybody hates us, including God. Because those things I mentioned to you, codependency and rescuing uh, uh, from consequences, enabling bad behaviors, and entitlement, that entitlement attitude, those things will leave you alone and bitter and feeling like nobody cares for you, but the devil is a liar. And so the title of this message this morning is Unhealthy Relationships. And I don't know if you'll shout on this one or not, but I believe if you get this word this morning, it will give you breakthroughs in your family like you have never seen. It'll come so quickly. You need this more than you need somebody to lay their greasy hand on your greasy head. I, I promise you, if you get this word this morning, it will help you give you breakthroughs like you have never seen before. Some of you all have been praying over your family and relationship for so long. And this morning, God has opened my eyes and shown me some of the things and some of the lies that Satan is using to perpetrate against God's people and against families today. Now, the first one I mentioned was codependency. I want to tell you that codependency is not healthy. Codependency refers to relationships in which people use one another to get their own needs met, but in a selfish, destructive manner. Originally, the word codependent was a term used to describe partners in chemical dependency or in a relationship with an abusive person. They will stay in that kind of relationship even though it's detrimental to them because it is a codependency. But codependency comes in many forms, but they all revolve around what a person can get from somebody else by giving them something in return. A couple examples of this might be a parent tries to control an adult child because of the parent's financial support of the child. So they use money in this codependency relationship to try to control that child. Another example would be when a friend refuses to confront another friend about his drug use out of fear of losing the relationship. 
that ends up being a codependent relationship where each person is giving something so they can get something in return. They're so afraid of being left alone that they allow the person to continue in a terrible behavior that's actually killing them. This is why codependency is not healthy. And so the focus of these relationships is on using one another rather than unconditional love and honesty. Because that's really what you want your relationships built on is love and honesty. How many want a relationship like that? Love and honesty. That's what we need. But such relationships as codependent relationships are harmful because neither party is willing to be truthful and both parties are selfishly clinging to whatever it is they're getting, whether it is money, whether it is friendship, whether it is admiration, whether it's sex, whether it's drugs, whatever it is, maybe it's acceptance, whatever it is, people are willing to stay in a bad relationship, a codependent relationship, because they're getting something out of it. But I want to tell you, this does affect your relationship with God. Now, I'll tell you why. One result is that God takes second place to that person in your life. Because codependents rely on each other for their needs to be met, which leads to a lack of faith and trust in God. And as a result, they end up manipulating other people to get what they want. That is not the kind of relationship that you need. That is not the kind of family that you want to be a part of. But this also explains why certain people are always attracted to the wrong person. Because they're looking for a, co they have a codependency in them that they need to have somebody who needs them. They have something in them that they rely on. Instead of relying on Jesus to give them their self-esteem, they have to have somebody they have to rescue in order to make them feel good about themselves. And that is an unhealthy relationship. That is a codependent relationship. Brothers and sisters, Jesus wants you to depend on him first and foremost. And if you will put him in his rightful place, I promise you, breakthroughs will begin to happen in your life like you've never seen before. But until you can, until, but as long as you continue to depend on other people instead of Jesus, it's going to cause problems in your family and your relationships. One lady recently said, out of all the people in the world, I'm always drawn to the addict before anybody else. Now, the reason for that attraction is there is a, a match there because the addict doesn't take responsibility for his life and the codependent feels responsible to take care of people who don't take responsibility for themselves. And what ends up happening is they end up taking on the role of savior in that person's life. But I want to remind you, that's Jesus' job, not ours. I am not to be Jesus for anybody. I am simply to be a pastor and to tell you what God says. And you are not to be Jesus for somebody else. You are to lead them to Jesus and let Jesus make them whole and set them free from their addiction and set them free from their codependency. Can I have an amen? So the addict and the codependent will always be drawn to each other. They'll be attracted to each other. Listen to me. Anytime you feel responsible for someone else's behavior or you feel responsible for their attitude or you feel responsible for their choices, that is an unhealthy relationship. 
I need to say that again. Even if you got it, you need to hear it again. Anytime you feel responsible for somebody else's choices or their behavior, that is an unhealthy relationship. Listen to me. You are only responsible for your behavior and your choices. And if you're manipulating people into giving you what you want, that is sin. You are not, God does not want you to be in a manipulative relationship. That is not of God. Now, if you are a parent, then yes, when you're raising your children, you are responsible to raise them right. But even then, your children are going to make their own decisions. And even then, I don't, God does not want you to go to bed guilty every night because your child is not doing right. Listen, God is big enough to reveal himself to them just like he revealed himself to you. You teach them what is right and wrong, then give them to God because you're not held responsible for what they do. They'll stand before God on their own merit. Hallelujah. But I told you this will affect your relationship with God. There are people who take these thoughts and attitudes into their relationship with God because they treat God like they treat the people that are close to them. So I want to ask you this morning, are you in a codependent relationship with God? Now, I don't mean on God's part. I mean on our part. Because God does not want a codependent relationship with us. Here's an easy way to answer that question. See if any of these ideas or thoughts sound familiar to you. If I don't do blank, God will be mad at me. Or God loves me more when I help people and put other needs before my own and don't complain about it. Or if I do this for God, then he will do this for me. All of those ideas are codependent ideas. Trying to give something in order to get something back from somebody else. That is a codependent relationship. And these thoughts lead us into a never-ending cycle of never being able to get it right when it comes to pleasing God because we have been we have bought into the lie to think that we have to do something to earn God's pleasure. And if we don't do something, God's going to be angry with me. This is what the Galatians started to believe after Paul left. And Paul said, I am surprised how quickly that you left the salvation that I told you about and are now going toward a salvation that is based on being good or having good works. Let me tell you what he said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. This is what he said to set them straight. He said this, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. In other words, it doesn't matter how many things you do for God, that will never be good enough to save you. Because remember what I said earlier? Anything you put on top of the blood of Jesus is heresy. The blood of Jesus is what saves you. It's what takes you to heaven. But if you're buying in the lie that you have to do something in order to please God, in order to earn favor or even get your prayer answered with God, you are in a codependent mindset and God wants to set you free today. Because it's not about what you've done for me lately. It's about what he's already done. And do you believe in him with all your heart? Freedom's starting to happen already. Because brothers and sisters, you can't do anything to make God love you more or love you less. 
His love does not fluctuate no matter how good or how bad you are. His love is the same. Let me remind you what the Bible says in Romans 5.8. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Did you hear that? While we were yet sinners, when we were at our worst, when we were rebelling against God, when we didn't even give him a thought, we were doing our own thing, when we were at our worst, Jesus loved you enough to die for you on the cross. Hallelujah. That's the kind of love you need in your life, and that's the kind of love you want to build your relationships on. Not a codependent love, but the kind of love that says, I love you. Help, let me get you and rescue you out of the mess you got yourself in. Brothers and sisters, while you were at your worst, God loved you and Jesus died for you. And there's nothing you could do now to make him love you less. And there's nothing you could do now to make him earn more brownie points with him. God loves you. And that's the kind of love he wants you to show to each other. Not a codependent love. But a kind of love that says, I love you even if you spit in my face. I love you enough to tell you the truth. You're a drug addict. You need help. I'm calling Teen Challenge. It's a kind of love that says, I love you enough. That love has to be tough sometimes. Sometimes you've got to do the hard thing and say, you know what? I'm cutting you off because I realize I'm just enabling your addiction. And you've been taking my money and spending it on that trash no more. That's what love does. Can you feel the breakthrough coming? You see, here's the thing. This breakthrough hinges all on us. God's already done his part. He wants to set you free. But if you're not willing to put up healthy boundaries in your relationship to protect you, if you keep taking responsibility for other people's actions and their behaviors, and you keep, taking, keep making excuses for the way they're acting, listen, you're not helping that person at all. Jesus wants you to tell them about Jesus, and then Jesus can help them. You see, we are not in a codependent relationship with God. God doesn't need anything from us. He is God all by himself. Do you realize today that God is the one who gave you life? We're not codependent on him. We are completely dependent on him. The Bible says in Acts 17, 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. My friend, without God, we would all stop breathing right now. We would drop dead right now if it wasn't for the love of God for us. And if you want to please God, you don't have to do favors for him. If you want to please God, the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you want to please him, believe him. I talked about faith last Sunday. This is part two of it. God wants you to have faith in him and have faith, have more faith in him than you have in those relationships you've got. Because people are going to fail you. And you can't keep taking responsibility for what other people are doing. You need to set some, set some healthy boundaries in your life and, let, and give them to Jesus. Because I promise you, you are not Jesus in their life. You are not God. We're not strong enough to handle changing somebody's life. You can't, change, you can't save them on your own. 
I know you want to. I want to. But they won't listen to us. But they will listen to the Holy Ghost. And I promise you the same God who had Jonah swallowed by a whale is the same God who knows how to get somebody's attention. It's the same God who protected my cousin when he cut his leg off. It's the same God. He knows how to get their attention. And if you will say, Lord, I'm giving them to you and I'm trusting you more than I trust this other person, God will start giving breakthroughs in your life. But when you please God, don't do it because you're trying to get something from him. No, please him because you love him. Please him with your faith because you're grateful for everything he's done for you. Hallelujah. You know, there are some people who take God's word and try to manipulate him into doing what they want him to do. It don't work that way. It don't work that way. These are promises that you can stand on. But brothers and sisters, God will not be manipulated. And what you're doing to people in your life will not work with God. God wants you to put him first and trust him above everything else. Now that's codependency. Other problems that are killing relationships and families include enabling bad behavior, rescuing from consequences, and having an attitude of entitlement. Rescuing an entitled person, rescuing an ungrateful person is not loving them. You need to hear that again. You need to hear it again. Rescuing an entitled, ungrateful person is not loving them. Because brothers and sisters, when you help someone that is in genuine need, they will be genuinely grateful. But when you help an entitled person, that person expects you to help them even if they don't ask you for your help. And if you don't help them, you are the bad guy and they are the victim. Because an entitled person feels they deserve that help. They deserve you to do this. They deserve you to do that. How dare you talk to me like that? How dare you? That's an entitlement attitude. And brothers and sisters, if that's the kind of relationship you're in, you need to put up some boundaries. You can't change someone by bailing them out all the time. You can't save somebody by bailing them out all the time. For example, if you rescue an angry person today, you'll have to do it again tomorrow. Because they didn't learn anything from today. You rescued them from the consequences of their decisions. You know, consequences are a normal part of living. We all have to face consequences for our decisions. If you leave church today and you break the speed limit, the cop is going to pull you over and give you a speeding ticket. That's the consequences of your decision. But if someone breaks the speed limit and they get a ticket... Because they do that because they're putting other people at risk. It's not just that person. It is that person, but it's everybody else around them. But if they don't learn that lesson, if someone rescues them, oh, come here, honey, I'll pay that for you, and it doesn't cost them anything, guess what? They didn't learn the lesson. Guess what's going to happen next time? They're going to do it again. And next time, it may be someone else that is involved with them, and it could be, and the consequences could be more severe. So if you truly want what is best for somebody, if you truly love that person, you'll let them learn from their mistakes. That's called maturity. How many of you learned the hard way in life? That's called maturity. You learned that lesson, I'll never do that again. 
If you go around rescuing these people all the time, they're not going to learn. You know what they're learning? They're learning that you are Jesus. You're going to rescue them every single time they mess up, and they're going to look to you instead of looking to Jesus. That's what you're teaching them. But my friend, before the breakthrough comes, you've got to point them to Jesus and say, Honey, I'm limited. I'm I'm here to help you. Yeah, but here's the thing. I learned the hard way, and if you don't want to learn my mistake by my mistake, then you're going to have to learn the hard way as well. Because I know people don't like change, but I will tell you this. Nothing stays the same. The one constant in life is change. If you don't believe me, look at a picture of you seven years ago and look at you now. Even you have changed. They tell us that our bodies, our cells are always regenerating. And every seven years you have a brand new body. It happens through that seven-year process. You are different. Everything is changing. And people will change when the pain of staying the same is greater than the discomfort of changing. And that's what happens. And so the Galatians were believing a different gospel. I don't know about you, but I got saved when I was confronted with my sin. And I realized the consequences condemned me to die and go to hell. But then I realized that Jesus died so I could be forgiven and have eternal life in heaven. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. But you have to be confronted with the consequences of your sin. You've got to realize you're a sinner. But what do we hear a lot today? Again, Paul said it's not a new gospel. It's the same thing, and we're hearing it today. This grace gospel message, all they hear is grace. It says this, there are no consequences for your sin. God loves you, so keep doing whatever you want to do. It's all grace. That's not the gospel. That is not the gospel. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. That's consequences. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There are consequences for our sin And God wants you to to show you what they are. But Jesus can also forgive and set us free. Listen, Jesus is not rescuing you and enabling you so you can sin more. No, he's setting you free from bondages. He's setting you free from addictions. He's setting you free from bad attitudes. He wants to heal your relationships. That's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to give you freedom. Does anybody want freedom this morning? Give God praise for the boundaries that God sets. Because there are consequences in life. To raise someone or to teach someone or to tell someone that there are no consequences to your actions is setting that person up for failure and setting them up up for something that could be catastrophic in their life. Jesus told the lame man beside the pool of Bethesda in John 5, 14. He said, Behold, now you are made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come to you. Now, Jesus wasn't threatening him. He wasn't saying, if you don't straighten up now that I've healed you, I'm going to put something more on you. No, that's not what he said. He was letting him know the consequences of his decisions. He said, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come on you. And that worse thing does not come from God, but from living outside of God's protection, doing your own thing out of rebellion, and the devil does whatever he wants to with you. So Jesus was warning the man, listen, stay out of the devil's play yard because he wants to kill you and destroy you. Go and sin no more. Keep following me, and you'll be free. That's what Jesus wants every one of you to understand. 
One of the main reasons for all this rescuing and enabling is because we want to please people. Seriously, when it gets down to really why we do that, it comes down to we want to please people. So I want to ask the question, what drives us to be people pleasers? Well, we want to be loved. We want to be accepted. We want to be happy. But we have to develop the wisdom that will help us say no to unhealthy relationships. Look at verse 10 of our text in Galatians 1. Paul said, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Paul says there, you can't serve Christ if you're trying to please people. Because people will lead you astray. People will use you and abuse you. They will, they will do all these things in codependent relationships. They will lead you away from God. They'll get you more depending on them than you depend on God. And Paul says, am I now pleasing God or pleasing men? This is the decision that we have to make every day of our life. Because it is impossible to keep everybody happy with you. I just popped some of y'all's bubbles. I'm sorry. But the truth is, it is impossible to please everybody. Even God can't please everybody. He gives us rain. Somebody don't like it. He gives us sunshine. Somebody says, it's too hot. Well, even God can't please. So if God can't please everybody, you need to stop right now and let yourself off the hook because nobody can live under that kind of pressure. Woo, breakthrough's coming. My Lord, I feel freedom in the house. Somebody's going to get this word. It's going to change your life. The trick is to ask this question, who do I really want to please? That's what Paul was saying here. Who am I pleasing? Am I pleasing God or am I pleasing man? Because brothers and sisters, we should please God first and foremost. Because addicts, people with unhealthy boundaries, they want you to please them first. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. If you're pleasing people, if you're trying, if you keep pouring yourself in a relationship and, and, just, and it's a codependent relationship or you're enabling them do with a behavior that's going to destroy them and it's costing you your sanity and your sleep at night, you need to stop and realize, you know what, forget them. I'm going to please God first and foremost. He's the one who saved me. He's the one who gave me life. I want to please the Lord first. So you set healthy personal boundaries for yourself. That means you say something like this, I will stop enabling this person. I will stop rescuing them. I will stop feeding the entitlement attitude. I will stop. I will put up a healthy boundary for me because I cannot be held responsible for what they do any longer. Be honest with yourself. Now, this is a tough step, but I promise you, if you take the step, if you set up healthy boundaries, you will be healthier physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, socially, even financially. It will help give you breakthroughs in so many areas if you'll get this word this morning. Because if your loved one doesn't want to change, then let them face the consequences of their decision. Then they'll learn from their mistakes because, again, people will change when the pain of staying the same is greater than the discomfort of changing. Well, Pastor Doug, I hear what you're saying, but I feel bad for setting boundaries. Can I tell you something? That's normal. 
For someone who has lived without boundaries and who has been trying to please everybody for so long, putting up boundaries is going to make you feel uncomfortable. This is probably the biggest problem to work through in boundaries is the guilt that we may feel in realizing freedom to own our own life. But that's what God wants you to have. He wants you to have freedom to own your own life. Many people have been taught that they are selfish and bad for not being responsible for other people's feelings and behaviors and choices. And this teaching keeps codependent behavior going in a cycle. But I want you to remember, rescuing someone is not loving them. Enabling them is not loving them. A heartfelt love lets someone experience consequences so they learn from their mistakes and they mature and they become a better person and then they begin trusting God just like you trust God and then they begin to grow and now they are saved and now they're following God just like you and all of a sudden God starts answering all these prayers that you've been praying and it all started with you putting up healthy boundaries. Brothers and sisters, the Bible does not teach codependence. It teaches interdependence, which is the state of being mutually responsible to each other. I'm closing with these scriptures. Hang with me. The first most most incredible uh, example of this is that of marriage. The Bible says in Genesis 2.24, For this reason, marriage, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh, not codependent, interdependent. And when you leave your mother and father, you are not responsible for their feelings or their behavior. You are doing what the Bible said for you to do. You leave your mother and father, you cleave to your spouse. Do not feel the pressure of their feelings and their behavior and their actions. Do not let they're making their own decision. You set up a healthy boundary. Mom, dad, I love you. But my first priority now is my wife or my husband, and I've got a family now, and I hope you respect that. But even if you don't understand, I still love you. Stick to your boundaries. Anybody get anything out of this today? It's going to set somebody free. I promise you, you will. Because this isn't something I came up with. God's dropped it in my spirit. Regarding spiritual gifts, interdependence. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Peter 4.10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. When God begins to use you in the gifts of the Spirit, it is not so you can build up your own kingdom or your own ministry. It is to edify the body of believers, to serve one another and give them a word. If God gives you a word of wisdom to that person, you go deliver it. Why? Because it is interdependence, not independence. But so many of us are guilty of God wanting to use us. And then we say, oh, Lord, no, no, no. God, use somebody else. Oh, I feel like God's giving me a word. Oh, Lord, please. No, not today. I'm not ready to. Let you somebody. Give them the word, Lord. Give them the word. Listen, God wants you to be used by him. And it comes with freedom to say, Lord, I trust you in my relationship. I trust you with my life. You've saved me. Now, Lord, if you want to give me the gift of word of wisdom or the word of knowledge, then, Lord, you drop it in me. And I'll do my best to deliver it because I'm nothing but you are everything. It's not about us. It's about each other, helping each other. I want to tell you this morning, the key to many of your answers is sitting near you this morning. God wants to use us as a body to interdependent and help each other depend on each other. 
Pray for one another. Hallelujah. How many glad to be a part of a body of believers who pray for you in your times of need? That we got a prayer chain of people who will pray? That's what it's about. Another example. We're commanded in Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. Consider how you may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but let us encourage one another And all the more as you see the day approaching. What day is he talking about? The day of the Lord. When you look at what's happening in the world today, it's just signs pointing to Jesus' soon return. And so the writer of Hebrews is telling us, he said, listen, even more so when you see the signs around you, come together, encourage each other, be there for each other because no man is an island. No woman is an island. God does not want any of you to be alone and bitter and think that nobody loves you. God loves you. And there's a body of believers here that love you. The final scripture, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others before themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. This is not a codependent relationship that he's describing here. He is describing a relationship when each person gives to the relationship. That's the way marriage is to be. Each person gives. You serve one another. The husband serves the wife. The wife serves the husband. Honey, what can I do for you today? Honey, I see you having a hard time with the kids. Let me take them out and do something with them. Yet you serve one another. That's the way Christians are supposed to be. The church is supposed to serve one another. Watch out for each other. Not be codependent. Well, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. That's not a relationship. That's an agreement, what that is. That's a contract. You don't need no more contracts. You need relationships built on love and trust and honesty. Can I have an amen? You see, this is diametrically opposed to the selfishness, dishonesty, and destructiveness of codependency, enabling, and entitlement. Brothers and sisters, these are unhealthy relationships. But Jesus is our prime example of what a healthy relationship looks like. One that's willing to go beyond and serve others. Jesus was the king of glory, yet he humbled himself and he washed the disciples' feet. That was a servant's job. And Jesus said, if I, your master, have done this to you, how much more should you do it to each other? Not to get a favor back from them, not because you owe them something, but because you love them. That is a healthy relationship. This has been Strong Meat for Strong Believers. If this broadcast was a blessing to you, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at revivalfire29 at yahoo.com or call me at 964-5333 and visit Raven Assembly of God's website at ravenag.org and find out more information about our church. This is Pastor Doug Johnson reminding you to keep your head up. God is on your side. And join me next time for more Strong Meat for Strong Believers.